You're listening to Pythagoras' Trousers. Well, time now for the astronomy update. Uh, the first one of 2017, of course, with me, Chris North. And me, Edward Gomez. Later on, I'll be speaking to people at the Star Attractions event at the National Museum in Cardiff. But first of all, what's been going on uh, this month? We've had, uh, Edward, the approval of two new missions from NASA. Yeah, that's right. Um, Two solar system missions, um, as you'd expect. You wouldn't expect us to go any further than the solar (laughs) system at the moment. Um, So uh, two missions, one called Lucy and one called Psyche. And, um, well, Psyche is uh, going to visit uh, a a large asteroid, or a large-ish asteroid called 16 Psyche, um, which seems to be quite unusual. Uh, it's it's very, very metal-rich um, and um, looks like it uh, is or could have been, could have formed a planet. It looks like the sort of thing that you'd expect from the core of a planet just in this one thing, this one asteroid. Uh, so it's very interesting for planet formation theories to know more about that uh, possibility of, you know, what is the asteroid belt? Why is it there? Was it the disruption of a planet uh, during the formation of the solar system? Um, or is it a graveyard where things go because of a gravitational uh, peculiarity because of the sun and Jupiter? Um, so uh, that could be quite an exciting mission. Um, then Lucy is going to visit Trojan asteroids. And uh, Trojan asteroids are... So there are, there are various different classes of asteroid around uh, in the solar system, there's the ones that you may have heard of, like near-Earth asteroids, which uh, come very close to the Earth, don't stay in the asteroid belt. Uh, and then there are Greeks and Trojans, uh, ones which lead and follow Jupiter around in an orbit. Uh, and Trojans are uh, one of these class of asteroid. And uh, Lucy is going to go and visit this this class of asteroid called Trojans. And that's going to be around a similar timescale to Psyche. It's going to be in the, the 2020s. So 2021 is a, mm-hmm. is a projected launch date. So it's actually, neither of those are too distant in the future. They're not 20 years in the future. They're not even 10 years in the future. They're sort of um, a few years to, to five years in the future. So um, that's, that's, that's quite exciting news, really. Yeah, and each of them, you say, launching not too far in the future. They take... Seven years or something to get to their targets. They yeah, take a that's right. To get there, um, and and they should uh, tell us a lot. The Trojan asteroids are interesting because because it's not thought that they formed where they currently are around Jupiter. They probably yeah. formed maybe further out and drifted inwards. So we get a sample of asteroids from different places. Yeah, that's right. And and actually, that's it, they are quite weird. Like you, like we were saying that the you always think of asteroids being in the asteroid belt, but they're not. Um, uh, and how do they get into different places? There's all sorts of peculiar things that happen to asteroids that can send them in towards the inner solar system and towards the outer solar system and uh, it's a delicate interplay between the gravity of the sun jupiter saturn in some cases and and actually the rest of the planets mm-hmm. um uh, and it involves chaos theory too which is always exciting yeah very unpredictable uh, the Psyche one you mentioned is, is interesting as well because you mentioned it could be the core of a planet. We think we think that one possibility is it's the the, the remnants of the core of a, a much larger planet. So we th- we think that the Earth has this iron core in the centre which fills up about a third of its radius. Yeah, that's uh, right. And then it's got this mantle and then this this crust. So it would have been a a fairly sizable planet if what's left. Yeah, not as big as the Earth, but because uh, I think the uh, the diameter of uh, 16 Psyche is about 150 miles or 150 yeah. kilometers, maybe. Um, uh, so, uh, and uh, that's that's considerably smaller than the core of the Earth. But um, 
uh, yeah, a, a planet-sized thing, not an asteroid-sized thing um, that it would have, it, it could have led to. Mm, interesting. Of course, all these things need uh, launch vehicles, and we've had the return to flight uh, of the Falcon 9 launch vehicle, which is what SpaceX, this this private company in the States, fly. Uh, they have their large Falcon 9 orbiter, which had, a, had a, a problem back in September where during a routine ignition test of its rockets, uh, so not the launch itself, just prior to the launch, um, it exploded, which is always a bad sign for a rocket. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, of course, it destroyed a satellite that was on board and so on. But having identified the problem, seems to be with helium tanks, uh, on the 14th of January, they successfully launched uh, a new rocket with 10 satellites in, 10 small communication satellites, part of the Iridium network, which is for, for telecommunications around the world, and with plans to launch about 70 of those over the next year. So they're really uh, getting uh, straight back to it. Of course, SpaceX have this this uh, feature where they, they take the bottom stage, the first stage of their rocket, and they land it again. Yeah, so it that's goes, right. Yeah, it goes and lands on a barge in the middle of the ocean. It, it's actually quite amazing to watch that as well. Um, and it's the type of thing that you really expect it to be from science fiction. It's yeah. like a, a, a CGI thing. Um, but uh, And it explains why you know it's such a, a new technology. And um, I'm actually more excited about that than, than what it can do by sending things up into space yeah. the fact uh, uh, it can r- land again yeah, a rocket launch is a rocket launch we've been doing those for 50 years but yeah you're right the, the landing is, is quite uh, quite amazing it's like the Thunderbirds in real life almost yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's very exciting the, the footage of these things is amazing and what's also surprising about that is quite how quickly they've gone from testing they had a couple of test landings that didn't work the rockets fell over or they missed the barge or they tumbled or, or whatever but after two or three of those I forget how many they basically all seem to have pretty much work yeah um which is uh, quite staggering it's quite quite an achievement yeah i think it's one of these falcon nines that's going to launch um tess uh the transiting exoplanet survey something I can't remember what so the... yeah a transiting exoplanet survey possibly uh, yeah, yeah i forgot what it stands for but yeah an exoplanet mission so they're, yeah. they're really long they're using falcon 9 rockets to launch nasa missions now yeah um with it being a a, a private company they've, they've kept costs down they've made it commercially um competitive so I think something like fifty million dollars for one launch, which is a lot of money to you and me, uh, well certainly to me. Um, yeah, me as well. <laughs> uh, that um, uh, th- that that's relatively cheap compared to what rocket launchers normally are. Yeah, that's right. It's way way cheaper than a shuttle mission. Yeah. So that's uh, exciting for for future missions to launch. Now back back out into uh, astronomy and looking at some other uh, stories. We've got um, an interesting object uh, that we think is going to go bang in a few years time yeah that's right this uh, this thing is has a, a a barcode name like so many things in astronomy do it's called kick 9832227 and uh, it is a binary star system that uh we astronomers believe in the next few years will uh turn into a nova and uh, the reason that now these things are very very hard to predict you know if you uh saw uh, a sudden bright brightening of a star, uh, you'd be very, very lucky to see that. We we find it very difficult to predict these things. Supernovae and novae um, are, are what are called transients, and normally we find them after they've happened. This one, uh, we think uh, we will be able to monitor this and actually see it before it happens, uh, during and afterwards, because it looks very, very similar to an object that did the same thing uh, back uh, about 10 years ago, 2008. 
um, and uh, all the characteristics of it are very similar to this other object, um, which I think was in the constellation of Minosaurus. Um, Scorpius, I think. Scorpius, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so watching this will give us a, actually a unique f- uh, front row seat picture of the science that's happening here. Normally what happens is that you see this thing that has brightened by comparing an image from uh, a couple of years ago with an image now and then you have to try and piece together what the star was that exploded or suddenly brightened and try and put together what it is but now we can study uh, this 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 binary system and learn as much of about these uh, these two stars as we can uh, prior to the explosion and then we know what the stars are we can look at the explosion and we can see whether our models are correct and then apply that to other situations where we don't see uh, the before picture mm. it's one of the ways of testing one of your theories in astronomy which is which is also important I should say the, these two binary star systems they're so close to each other that at the moment they're touching oh yeah uh, that's right contact binary yeah um, uh, that's that's like um to i don't know um two ice skaters holding hands and twirling around each other they are actually touching when you think you know there's there's nothing in our solar system that comes anything close to that yeah, it's uh, there's quite quite extreme objects orbiting very 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 quickly, and the explosion is when they they merge and when yeah, they finally, right. finally coalesce. Uh, so this is predicted to be in 2022. So you've got about five years to yeah. get your act together and, and start looking up in the constellation of Cygnus, and it will be one of the brightest stars in the sky. It's yeah. not going to be sort of uh, twi- you know naked eye in the daytime or anything no, like that. No, no. Um, should be noticeable uh, in the concert. I forget where in Cygnus exactly, but um, there'll be a new star that will appear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, as you were saying, it, it is a difficult one because it's not going to be visible during the day. Unless you know the constellation of Cygnus, you probably won't notice mm. it. Uh, and the naked eye, it's going to be interesting. There's, there'll be a new star for a while, uh, but uh, you know, it's not going to for it's not going to be a beautiful nebula or anything um, that you could go out and look at with binoculars but it is going to be hugely scientifically interesting now, of course being bright it means that even small telescopes could look at it and study it in detail so you're not left with an object that only the biggest telescopes in the world can yeah, look at yeah that's right lots and lots of tiny telescopes can. Yep. so I'm sure at Las Cumbres Observatory you'll be uh, staring at this <laughs> uh, we, we will be actually I was uh, considering making a, um, a schools project uh, an outreach project mm. around this yeah, it's, uh, it should be very very exciting um uh, hopefully all the predictions come off of course and finally we've got a, a star a very young star it's only about 8 million years old it's called TW Hydri it's in the constellation of Hydra about 200 light years away it's a star we know that has a disk of material around it a protoplanetary disk this is the disk of gas and dust that the stars are forming from and the Hubble Space Telescope can see the, the outer parts of this disk it's about the same size as our entire solar system but what it what it's seen over the last uh, almost 15 to 20 years is that there's an odd shadow that's moved around it. Uh, a part of the disk has got darker and that shadow has moved around over the course of about 16 years. Now, that sounds okay, there's a dark bit of the disk that, that's gone around, maybe there's something there, except at that distance from the star, things should orbit in about a century, so nothing should orbit in 16 years. And that implies it's actually something much closer that's having this effect. Now, the favoured theory at the moment is that there's a very massive planet, about the size of Jupiter maybe, um, at about the same distance from the star as the Earth is from the Sun, so relatively close. That means, because it's a not a very massive star, it goes around once every 16 years, it warps and bends and twists this di- the inner parts of this disk, and that casts a shadow on the outer part of this disk, and that's what Hubble's seen. 
So almost a, a I don't think it's that far fetched. Um, there are possibly other explanations, but this is the the favoured one at the moment from the people looking at and it. And we certainly see something similar to this happening in Saturn's rings. Recent images um, from Cassini have shown this. There's uh, moons inside the the rings of Saturn that cause warping of the the rings locally, and they do cast shadows, which are many many times. Um, uh, appear many times larger than the moon itself and the width of the the gap in the rings yeah sure actually the, looking at saturn's rings is, is very valuable for people studying discs around stars although they're billions of times larger um there uh, they there's a lot of similarities there which is uh, which is um, uh, very interesting to to study as you say amazing amazing images uh, as well so we'll have to follow that and see whether the, um there can be more uh, more images of the inner part of the disc, which, which Hubble can't see, is too close to the, the bright star. Maybe other telescopes uh, looking at other wavelengths will be able to uh, see that uh, in more detail. Of course, it's great to be able to tell people about all these stories, and we've had an opportunity recently to do that at the National Museum in Cardiff. Uh, the Star Attractions event that happened on Saturday the 28th of January was attended by lots of people coming to see all sorts of stalls all about astronomy, and I had a chance to speak to a few of them about why they enjoyed the event and what they got out of it. Well, I'm standing here in the Great Hall of the National Museum uh, in Cardiff and I'm joined by uh, Lucy McCobb from the National Museum. So you've organised uh, this event, it's yes, a, an so annual I'm... event. Yeah, it's an annual event. Yeah, we first started, I think, five years ago when the BBC first did their Stargazing Live series in January. And um, even though they're not doing a series in January this year, we've continued with the event because it's been so popular. And the public really seem to enjoy space and astronomy. They, they, they've got a big appetite for it. Yeah, and you expect you know, hundreds, a few thousand people to, to come in? Is that the... Yeah, the... I think generally with these events, we've had somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people through the door, which is amazing for like a... A January Saturday, to be yeah, honest, it's yeah. usually quite quiet. What do you think people get out of this, other than what's in the uh, in the museum in, in general? I think this is a good event because it shows people different ways of taking their interests forward. So, if there's somebody who's a teenager and they're thinking about going to university, they can speak to people from Cardiff University and find out about courses. If there's somebody a bit older, they can talk to the astronomical societies, find out how they could join those, and, and take an actual sort of practical interest in astronomy so there's lots of different ways people can become involved and with the small kids we've got lots of fun activities that hopefully will spark an interest and um, they'll carry on with that yeah i can see in front of you you've got a uh, a table with some telescopes and globes and what kind of things are you doing here so this is an activity which is looking at the very first telescopes that were ever produced um, so we've got replicas of galileo's telescope and we've got a replica of newton's telescope both from the 1600s and we've got those sort of angled so they point at models of the planets. Ah, OK. Uh, and the basic idea is that people can actually um, get a view of what Galileo could actually see through his telescope, actually get first-hand experience of that. Yeah. Oh, so you look through and you see a planet at the other end, albeit a, a one dangling from the ceiling. Yeah. That's right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see, you can see a planet, you can pretend it's night-time, but you can think, OK, this is what Galileo had to work with. And it's quite a challenging instrument because there, we've got lots of modern telescopes here today, but his instrument, is, it's got a very narrow field of view. It's quite fiddly to focus. So yeah. I think people actually get a real practical sense of the challenges he faced being the first person, really, yeah. to, to get into this field. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I might wander around and see if I can chat to some of the people uh, exploring the, the various exhibits here. So Great. thanks, Lucy. Enjoy the day. 
you've come along to the uh, the museum to, to the, have you come specially for the the exhibit here or are you coming anyway no we've just been lucky to be honest because he's really into space things at the minute so we've just been very fortunate to come along and find this going on today okay you said he's, he's seen the sun outside through a telescope yeah he just he was ladies were having a look outside so he went up and asked them and he was able to look at the sun through a special filter in the telescope and they were fab they explained everything to him and why you could look at the sun through that and why you couldn't look at it normally and we've had a good look over here now and they've explained how they're going to go out to the schools and show all the different schools and they gave us a couple of apps that we can download into our own phone to be able to do some of the stuff that they showed us over there so it's been great so far excellent well i'll let you uh, get on and look at look at other stuff as well that's brilliant thank, thank you, you. No. oh don't talk for lad just keep your hands for there lovely yeah. what can you see tell us about it what, what's the planet look like? What colour? Green. Green? It's our planet. Is it? What's that one? What's that one? We'll have a look at that in a minute. That's on the same thing. That's the big one, yeah. So you brought in some meteorites to brought in, We brought in a meteorite found in my father's garden in Newport, oh, which right. is up on Ridgeway. And he was, well, it wasn't a meteorite. He was convinced it would be. Right. But it's just a piece of iron slag. Um because iron slag is found all over the area because of the big iron working. We brought that in today to check and see yes, whether it's Yes, because my husband had been to the Cardiff Astronomical Society meeting on Thursday evening where the meteorite specialist had come and given a talk. Yeah. So we decided to bring it down because she's here today. So unfortunately not a, not a meteorite. Not a meteorite. But We're it, really disappointed because yeah. my father thought he was going to make his fortune. Yeah. <laughs> but you've seen lots of real meteorites there we've as well. We've seen real so. meteorites, yeah. yeah. So now we know the difference. Yeah, and you can keep an eye out in the back garden for a... Uh, well, yeah. yes, you never know. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I, I see you've just got up from using the, uh, the laptop over here. What have you been doing on the, on the laptop? Uh, you listen to the... You, you, you've got to find out which one the... Um, with the black hole, like the radio, the waves. You've got okay. to try and find out which one had the black hole waves in there. So you're listening on the headphones to see whether you can f hear the signal yeah. in against the background. And yeah. did, did you manage it? Did you hear anything? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And, have, and have, you, have you seen much else here or have you just got here? Uh, I tried to play a bit of that. That didn't go very well. The, the <laughs> it wasn't black very hole good. Pong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's tricky. And, and you've come here specifically for this today, or? Yes, yeah, we have. So, yeah, I've recently joined uh, one of the astronomical societies, the Bridgend Astronomical Society. So, yes, yeah, so we heard about uh, today through them. So, yes, we've just arrived. So, uh, interested in having a look at uh, all the different stalls. And, uh, yeah, just uh, one of our interests. We have yeah. a telescope at home. Mummy's very interested in uh, the universe and enjoys listening to documentaries on the Higgs boson and all sorts of things. So yeah, so this is uh, this is right up my street today. Yeah, and is, is some of that uh, wearing off on you? Are you interested in uh, space and the universe? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we play games in the cars. We, yeah, on when the you way were little, yes, yeah, about planets about and, and different things. And yeah, we used to play games, guess the planet. So I would describe. Uh, the various capitals of different planets and Sophia would try and guess which one it was so yes and we've been learning about the uh, spectrums of light haven't we about microwaves yeah. and I did a presentation all the way up to on like the, the mallards um, the mallards feathers how it's just the different light spectrums and how things appear differently in your eyes and they were not actually that color and explain that in a presentation so that's something you've been, is that in school or is that uh, just... Yeah, that was school. I did a presentation on um, one of my hobbies and I used to do bird watching. Um, so I did a presentation on the mallard's um, feathers and light spectrum. 
Excellent. Well, it sounds like you're, you've uh, got a lot of interest in this, so yes. I, I hope you enjoy uh, looking round. Um, sure you going to look at the rest of the museum while you're here as well, Possibly, do you think? Possibly, yes, yes, uh, you probably will, yes. Excellent. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm joined here by some, some people who've uh, just been into a planetarium show here in the museum. So, um, uh, uh, what, do you, what did you think about the planetarium show? Was it good fun? Yeah, it was good fun. Uh, what, what did you see there? So lots of galaxies and stars. stars and constellations. Excellent. And yeah. and was it like being in a big was it a big dome you were in or was it yes. just a, yeah. it was in a massive dome. What, did you see anything you'd never seen before in there, do you think? I think um, the giants. The giant planets? Yeah. yeah. No, oh, the, or the giant shape. Oh Orion, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So there's an, and now, do you think you'll go out and look at the sky, look at the stars, and see if you can find them in the sky? Yeah. Tonight? Are you all? Uh, are you interested in, in space and astronomy and, yeah. and looking at the skies? Yeah. Do you do it in school? Yeah. We've done it in school, but yeah. like, we're not doing it now. Do you wish you did more in school? Yeah. 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 yeah? Excellent. It's really well, interesting. It is very interesting. What uh, are you? Are you looking forward to looking around all the other things here, here as well? Yeah. Yeah. Have you? Uh, um, have you looked around anything yet, or have you just gone straight into the show? We've seen okay. a few meteorites and we've looked through some telescopes. I've had some pictures and. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And and what what's the uh, what's the what things are you looking forward to seeing? Do you think uh, on the rest of your visit? Um, maybe the technology, the science bit over there. Some, some of the science and technology, yeah. 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 I know there's some, we've got some stuff on gravitational waves and on yeah. cosmic rays and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, lots to, lots to go and look at. Well, I uh, hope you enjoy your day. Thank you very much. Well, I'm, I'm joined here by two people who just finished a game of Black Hole Pong uh, on the computer. Um, did you enjoy Black Hole Pong? We, uh, yeah. We did. Who, who, who won? Um, he won two and I won one. Two one. Ah, uh, have you have you seen lots of other stuff here uh, that you've uh, that you've explored? Yeah. Um, we've seen like little stones from meteorites. Meteorites. Oh, okay. So, do you, have you seen meteorites before? Was that the first time you had to see them? Um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, what did you What did you you found out about meteorites when you were looking at them? Um, that they get smooth when they come down from space. Excellent. Are you, are you glad you came, do you think? Yes. Yeah. You've enjoyed it? Yes. Have you got other things you want to uh, look around while you're here? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah? Okay, well I'll let you get on with your, your exploration, so uh, enjoy the day. You too. You too. Have a good day. So you, you've come along here with, uh, yes. with uh, some, some young lads to, to come yes. and explore the, uh, explore the museum. Friends, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, um, uh, you came specifically for this no, Star No, I, I, we just came to the museum. I did not know this event was on, and I must say I was quite excited to see it because I'm quite interested in astronomy. It's something as a child that um, my dad used to have a telescope, so we'd often go out in the garden and, and sort of observe some of the planets. So for, uh, for me, personally, this is just really exciting. You're getting things out of it then as well as the Oh, most well definitely. Oh, most definitely. I've already got a leaflet for one of the societies, so I'm going to have a look at that. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed looking at the meteorites. I learned a, l- a little bit more about that, which I didn't know before, and it was interesting to touch it and to feel and see the weight of it. I was really astounded by that. 
and um, it's great that there's a lot of um, technology here which keeps the interest for the children mm -hmm. and that sort of brings it in because if it's all sort of paperwork they don't really pay a lot of attention to that whereas oldies uh, do you enjoy something to read like that but they you know to, to get involved with the the technology and playing games it just creates a bit more interest yeah a bit of, bit of something for everyone then most definitely yeah. excellent well thank you very much all right thank you do you come to the museum very often no. No? Is this, is this your first time in the museum? No, so you, you have been before. Yeah. And are you, are you looking forward to looking around yeah. this stuff? Excellent. What do you think you're going to see while you're here? Stars and planets. Stars and planets, yeah. I'm sure you'll see a few of those through the, uh, through the telescopes. Huh? And, and you've come along uh, as well. Are you enjoying your, uh, your, your visit here so far? Yeah. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> And, and as for the, uh, the, the grown-ups, you, you've come along as well for, uh, to visit. Did you come specifically for this? or? Uh, yeah, we came from Merthyr today. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, we saw it advertised on Facebook uh, and wanted to learn a bit more about the, uh, the, the light skies over the Breton Beacons. Yeah. That's something that we're particularly interested in. So there's, there's like some leaflets about how to see the stars and Breton Beacons and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. And you're hoping they'll all get interested in uh, in this kind of thing? Is that well? Yeah, um, definitely. Especially science and the uh, the sort of hard uh, education sort of skills. Definitely, science, yeah. maths. Yeah. So uh, yeah, early days. I mean, these are all uh, f fairly uh, fairly young girls here. <laughs> so um, are you looking forward to learning more about this in school when you learn about it in school? Yeah. Um, what, what what did you see on the on the screen? You saw what baby stars looked like, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. What colours were the baby stars? Pink on this screen, yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Edward, we, we've both done those kind of events uh, in the past, and they're great fun to speak to people uh, at these kind of uh, public events. Uh, it's, uh, they are, yeah, and uh, there's, it really shows that there's an enormous public appetite for not only learning more about astronomy, which is close to our hearts, but all sorts of science. And uh, there's... There's a lot of fun to be had just exploring science uh, and it's great to see families coming out to those type of events and then hopefully the families go back and carry on talking about uh, the science that they've been hearing about and pursue it a bit further. That would be, uh, be wonderful if, if that happens. Uh, so with that, until next month, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> You've been listening to Pythagorean Astronomy, an extended version of this month's Astronomy Roundup from Pythagoras' Trousers, a weekly science and technology radio show presented by me, Rhys Phillips. You can catch up on full episodes of Pythagoras' Trousers, subscribe to our podcast and get in touch by going to www.pythagoras-trousers.radio.fm. <laughs>